What is going on, Cheat Code Sports Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? You got K-Love tonight coming at you with the weekly buy low, sell high podcast. Um, so this one's a little bit tough for me, honestly. Uh, I think the injuries kind of screwed some things up for me, so it's a little bit harder for the sell portion of this. Um, you know, the buy portion is a little bit easier for me, but, uh, you know, we'll get right into it, start diving in some of these players. I mean... Um, I think a lot of them, you know, coming off some of these rough weeks, I know one of them was an injury for the buys, so we'll see how this goes. Um, but yeah, I, I 100% all in on all my buy players because I do think that these guys turn it around. And we'll start it off first with the quarterback position at with Dak, Pres- uh, Dak Prescott. Um, basically, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm throwing out the whole Dallas Cowboys receiving game. Uh, or, you know, passing, passing game, passing attack. So Lamb and Cooper are both thrown into the, the mix here as well. Um, this game was really just a game of, like, the running backs taking over. And I know that this has been Dallas's kind of thing this year. They've been a little bit less pass-heavy than they were last year when Dak was healthy. Um, I think Dak threw somewhere up of north of, like, 44 times a game. Uh, last year when he was healthy um, before he, before the ankle injury. Um, this year, they have not been throwing the ball as much anymore, but um, they haven't really needed to. You know, I mean, they've been in a lot of blowout situations, and I don't know how much that's going to continue once teams start to, uh, you know, kind of key in on the run game because they see how much it's being used. Um when that winds up happening, I mean, it's going to open things up for guys like Lamb and Cooper, and ultimately, it's going to make Dak, you know, a huge, um, you know, huge quarterback. I mean, look, Dak right now looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, he's just, he's pinpoint, you know, he's very accurate. Uh, he's making good decisions with the ball um, when you know when they have to make plays in the passing game, and you know. This, this game, like I said, it was just kind of an anomaly. They were doing so well with the run. I know that it's kind of been the forte for them for the last couple weeks has been just running the football heavily. But ultimately, I think teams are going to eventually start to key, on and on that, key in on that run. And when the run game starts to slow down a little bit because defenses are preparing for it a little bit heavier, it's going to open things up for Lamb, for Cooper, for Cedric Wilson, or Gallup when he comes back. You know, Dalton Schultz is another guy. He's been having a very good season. Um, so I'm just, you know, this whole Cowboys passing attack, I'm 100% in on. I, you know, I hate to say it. But the Cowboys, to me, look like the class of the NFC East and a, and a very legitimate Super Bowl contender. Um, and they're a high-scoring team. And when you're talking about fantasy football, you always want players on high-scoring teams. I would rather, I would almost rather take the third receiver on a high-scoring offense than the first receiver on a bad offense at times, just depending on who, who the third receiver is. I mean, obviously, McCole Hardman, I don't want him over Brandon Cooks. But, you know, you start talking about, you know, the pass catchers that they have with Schultz and with, you know, Cooper and Lamb, you know, Gallup and... You know, you thought Zeke would be more of an uh, Zeke and Pollard might be more you know effective out of the backfield in the passing game, and they really haven't been because they have so many weapons you know everywhere else they can throw to. So, you know, I just ultimately think that this passing game turns it around because I think that 
Defenses are going to have to start to key on Elliott, start to have to key on Pollard when he's in the game. And when that happens, like I said, it just opens things up for the passing attack. I think the better days are ahead for Zach Lamb and Cooper. Um, I'll mix them all into one uh, because, frankly, I think this, this game was a little bit of a different situation considering they were, you know, for a lot of the game, a lot of the second half, they started really breaking away from the Giants, especially once Daniel Jones went down. It just became kind of a blowout, um, and they really didn't need to throw the ball at all. So, you know, to me, uh, you know, better days are ahead for Dak, Lamb, and Cooper, and if, you know, their owner is a little bit worried, I would definitely start, you know, making some offers. Um, so at the running back position, I'm, I, you know, I'm just going to say Saquon's a buy. And the reason I say Saquon's a buy, because I think Saquon was getting ready to jumpstart his, you know, jumpstart himself into being another, an RB1 once again. I know he was kind of at the back end of RB1 just because of that last game, but he was about to start. He was, he was starting to get his groove back. He was starting to get his swagger back and I know this injury is a little tough, but if you're in a situation as a, you know, if you're looking at Saquon's owner and Saquon's owner is two and three or one and four or even three and two, but doesn't look good for the next couple weeks because maybe he has a couple buys or maybe his team's just not really that good and he's been lucky. That happens sometimes in fantasy football. Um, you know, these guys might be panicking a little bit. You know, especially with Barkley's injury history, worrying about him possibly, you know, not being able to, you know, bounce back, I guess, from this ankle, you know, because he's been hurt the last couple years. But if you remember two years ago, my man had an ankle injury where he missed two weeks. He came back. He wasn't himself for about four weeks. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the season, he just turned it on. If you had Saquon Barkley at the end of the season two years ago and you were still in in the playoffs, I mean, look at his playoff. His playoff stats from two years ago are absolutely ridiculous. Um, I don't remember them offhand. I can try to look them up for you. But, um, you know, he's the type of league-winning player ultimately if you, you know, he's the type of guy that can then win you a league if he gets hot. And like I said, he showed it a couple years ago. Uh, so I got it pulled up right here. Let me see here. So the end of the season in 20... That's 2020. That's definitely not 2019. So he missed the two weeks. End of the season, he had 100... Yeah, week, week 13, 125 yards. Week 14, 170 yards. You know... Um, he had, you know, four catches and 14, he had 31 yards, but he had four catches. I think he had a touchdown in that game. He also had a touchdown in week 17. You know, he just he turned it on at the end of the year after that injury um, and, you know, won people a lot of leagues, and, and that's what you kind of were hoping from him, um, you know, when you're drafting him in the first round. So I think that, you know, with him injured now, if you get an owner – that's a little bit of that's on a bad team. Maybe you're four and one, and he's one and four, and he's looking like, oh my god, you know. I ultimately would offer like a, a second, you know, like my second uh, if I've Chris Carson, you know, somebody in that hemisphere of running back. Um, I know Carson's been hurt, but some people just are looking at the upside of Carson and saying, you know, maybe he comes comes back or, um, 
trying to think of another running back in that similar area. Maybe somebody wants Miles Sanders. I doubt it because he just isn't getting enough work. But um, maybe Miles Sanders. Um, you know, guys in that kind of range where we drafted in that third or fourth round. I wouldn't say Swift because he's been actually very good. He's been better than Saquon, and I don't. I just think that's going to continue. But uh, you know, guys in that range that have that were drafted there, um, and ultimately it's kind of crazy because you look at it, it's like Ceh is hurt. Um, you know, Carson's hurt. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders just hasn't been good. Gaskin's been up off and on. This might be a perfect time get trade. You know, offer Gaskin and your number two wide receiver and go get Saquon Barkley and just hold him for a couple weeks if you're able to take a loss or two, you know, especially if your team's deep because you might be able to get a win considering buy start. So, you know, that would be the perfect, perfect scenario in which you could, uh, you know, sneaky, sneakily attack and, and grab um, a first a first round running back, especially if he's able to turn it on. I, maybe this ankle, maybe they sit him out two weeks, get him get him back fully healthy, and then bang, he comes back in three weeks and he's, you know, looking like old Saquon, especially like from this, you know, two games ago when when, you know, two touchdowns and just had a monster game against the Saints. Um, so another receiver I have, Adam Thielen. Uh, we talked to Steve and I talked about Adam Thielen a little bit on the other day's podcast. Um, my thinking with Thielen is that he's basically a red zone machine. And when they get into the red zone, that's Kirk Cousins' number one go-to guy. And I don't think that's changing. I think the last couple weeks they've just been a little bit their offense has been running a little sluggishly and I think it has to do a lot with, you know, Cook being injured and not knowing what's happening with Cook and you know, two weeks ago, two games ago he was, you know, two games ago Cook uh wasn't himself. 3 games ago I think he I think he missed 3 games ago and then 2 games ago he came back and just wasn't good then he misses this week. Ultimately I think you know, Thielen may struggle with no Cook because I think the passing game becomes a little bit more of a focal point of the defense without Dalvin in there, and they think they'll just let Madison run run reckless. But, um, you know, when Cook comes back, I think this offense starts to catch its gear again, I start to, and I think you're going to start to see Thielen catching balls pretty pretty consistently, especially in that red zone area, which, you know, if, you, if you've got a guy that can score double-digit touchdowns, man, He's completely worth it, and if guys are just not, you know, not feeling good about feeling after a couple weeks of, of minimal production, you know, I, you know, he's a guy you can target. He's probably a guy you can grab a little bit cheaper than what he would have, you know, after week one or two. Uh, if you remember, you know, I think he caught two touchdowns in week one. I think he had another one in week two. Like, no, he's a touchdown machine. He's going to have double-digit touchdowns probably this year as long as he stays healthy. And if his owner's a little worried about him, he's definitely a guy I would target in the uh, trade market. And my last buy is TJ Hawkinson. Um, I don't think TJ's going to make the leap into the, like, the elite tier. That's not where I think it's going, you know... He's not going to be Waller or Kelsey. He looked like that after the first couple of weeks, and then defense is just the problem with the with this team is that defenses are able to key on them so much. He's they're able to key on him so much because the receiving core around him is just terrible. So they'll let Quintez Cephas have his you know seven for seventy. They'll let um, 
you know, Amon Ross St. Brown get his five for 45 yards and things like that. Um, but when it comes to Hawkinson, they're paying a lot more attention because they know that big body can create damage, especially over the middle of the field and down in the red zone. So his, his production has been very limited for the last few weeks. Um, but I just think that if you have a good football mind, which I do believe Dan Campbell is, I think Steve and I talked about this yesterday. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or if it was just me and Steve talking about it. But we talked about it um, and basically we're saying like, yo, this Lions team plays hard. They are playing to win because they believe in their coach. They have a, you know, they have a leader of men there. Um, Dan Campbell did a good job with Miami when he was the interim, and people were in Miami were mad when they didn't leave him as the coach. And now he's gotten an opportunity with Detroit, and I think that he's, you know, just a football guy that knows how to, to attract the attention of men. And I think what when that's the case. And you start to have guys that are geared towards football. You have coordinators that are geared towards football. And I believe Daryl Bevel is their offensive coordinator, and he's been a very good one for years. And I think one thing they're going to start doing is understanding that um, TJ Hawkinson has to be more of a focal point of the passing game. they got to get this guy more involved. Um you know the first couple games you saw it. That game against Green Bay, like he was he was on fire in the first half, and then Green Bay started to take him away in the second half. And what happened? Green Bay came back because the offense got completely sluggish. You got to use this guy. He's your best weapon. You got to figure out ways to get him open. And I think going forward in the season, Detroit's going to start doing that because you know they have to. You know who else did they, who else did they have to throw the ball to? I know you can tell me Cephas and I'm on Ross St. Brown and blah blah blah. Them guys ain't TJ Hawkinson. They ain't a number nine overall tight end off the board. All right, guys. So now I'm going to move on to the sell portion. I don't really have a lot of guys that I would sell. Um, And the reason is basically because with a lot of the injuries that have been taking place, especially at the running back position, I just don't know if some of these names that are putting up like I got two names on here for running backs and I've been I've been I I mean I've basically been you know the you know yesterday I basically said neither one of them I would trade you know Kareem Hunt is the first one I'm not trading Kareem Hunt you know so a lot of these cells I'm just this is research that I've done on different websites different podcasts that I've listened to and I'm tossing names out there but I would not sell Kareem Hunt like, you probably could get a good amount for him right now, but considering the injuries, and maybe that's why you want to sell him. But he's probably your number two or th- two receive your number two running back or your flex, and he's been perfect in that role, like perfect. He's been killing it the last, you know all season. I thought this would kind of be a little bit you know like the end of last year where he got his touches, but he wasn't as effective. He wasn't scoring and. You know, ultimately, he was useless in fantasy football for the last six, you know, four or five games last year, which people were upset about, obviously, because, you know, he filled in really nice when Nick Chubb was hurt. But, um, you know, this year, he's just, you know, him and Chubb both are just turning it on. And when you look at it that way, I can't say, like, at this point, Kareem Hunt is an RB1. 
and Chubb is an RB1. They're both RB1s. I can't see myself saying, yeah, let's go trade an RB1 right now when there's not many opportunities, not many people at running back that you can go grab. Now, like, if you're able to, to get a very good piece, you know, maybe you're getting a wide receiver that somebody is high on. Now, maybe you're able to get like a Stefan Diggs right now, who a lot of people are, are starting to be a little upset with because he's looking like a bust, you know. He's looking like a first-round, second-round bust. This guy looks like the way Diggs is, is putting up numbers right now, I'm not saying that he's not playing well, but this team just doesn't need him to do a lot because they, they're spreading the ball around nicely. But, you know, if Diggs' owner is a little worried... You might be able to, and and needs a running back. You might be able to sell him Kareem Hunt right now for Diggs because, you know, straight up Diggs has not been as good, and Kareem Hunt's been great through the first five weeks of the season. So, you know, um, that's you know, like I said, I'm probably not selling Kareem Hunt if I've, you know, if he's my flex or RB two, you know, and that's kind of where he's at. He was like a fifth or sixth round pick. That's probably where he's where he's filling in for you at. So I'd probably just hold on to him, but he's definitely a sell option. You can sell high, extremely high on him right now. I just have cha- flipped, completely flipped my my stance on on Hunt because I think that this production is here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. Because um, even if they're losing games, he's the passing down. He's the guy that's going to catch the ball. So he's the guy that's going to be seeing more work in games that are losing. So in these games where they're winning and, they're, and he's getting this much work, like... He's here to stay. Kareem Hunt ain't going anywhere. Number two is Leonard Fournette. I, uh, like, it's another one I'm probably not trading. And the reason why is because I, he's been, he's been way too good. Like, why, why would, why would Tampa switch things up, go back to Ronald Jones, who has been a known fuck up, straight up. Like, Ronald Jones has been a known fuck up in the NFL since he got in the league. Why would they completely change course and say, all right, yeah, well, we're going to, you know, give Ronald Jones his opportunity this game. Leonard, you do take a break. I just, I don't see that happening. Maybe if Leonard's banged, remember Fournette's banged up a little bit, you know, they give Jones a little bit of a heavier workload. But you're mixing in Gio Bernard in this, you know, in this passing game where, you know, these these running backs ain't really getting a lot of passing work, but you're not drafting them for that. A lot of these... You know, Fournette basically was a seventh round pick. If you went zero RB or or modified zero RB, where you grabbed a running back in the first or second round and then didn't draft another one until you got Fournette in the seventh, you're killing it right now. Like you're you're just especially if you got a good quarterback. Because that usually if you go zero modify zero RB in any kind of format, you're getting one of the top tight ends. So that means you have a top tight end. Maybe you've got Kelsey or Waller. Both of them guys have been pretty stellar for the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I, I just don't see myself trading Leonard Fournette because in the role he's in on fantasy teams, he's probably fulfilling it perfectly. And I don't see him... I don't see his role changing much. I still think in games where they're blowing teams out, which Tampa will probably be doing a, a hefty amount, I think that he's going to see the see you know twenty to twenty five carries. And if that's going to be the case, that's the kind of guy I want. That's the kind of guy I want on my team. If he's seeing fifteen to tw- anywhere between fifteen and twenty five carries, why can I? Why would I get rid of this guy? He's touching the ball way too much.
Next up, we have Kadarius Tony. So yes, Tony's one that I, I if I had to say anybody on my list, Kadarius Tony was the one that I probably would trade, only because I don't think Kadarius Tony's going to have another game like this. I do think he's going to be very good for the rest of the season, but to say he's going to have you know. 11 for 189 or whatever it was in this game like that's a bit of a stretch and you know we don't know how his playing time is going to factor in you know Joe Judge was on you know basically telling his dude like hit the bricks like he was on the field yelling at him like go 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 to the bench like get out of here Joe Judge if you remember like in in training camp they had a fight with somebody and he basically stopped. Yeah, he basically was pissed. Stopped the stopped the practice and said, and, you know, scolded his players and everything like that. Like he's not an he's not he's adamant about not fighting on the field. You know, using football as more of your weapon than you know physical fighting. And Tony kind of broke that. And you know, he's been too good to keep off the field. But when Shepard and Galladay and you know, Slayton all start coming back healthy. Maybe you start to see Tony, you know, work in a little bit less. His his catches and his receiving work is obviously going to be less. I doubt you're going to see, you know, Sterling Shepard coming off the field very much. He was very good while he was out there. Maybe he takes some of Slayton's work, but Tar- Tony's more of an outside guy. Maybe they move Shepard to the outside. Who knows how they play it? But all in all, once you get better receivers out there, especially with if Galladay gets healthy, um, both of these guys will start to be you know, getting the ball more, and that's going to start, you know, slowing things up for Kadarius Tony. So, like I said, I, I think he's going to be relevant. He's going to be a guy that might get you consistently like 6 for 60, 7 for 70. You know, he's going to be a double-digit, you know, PPR guy. But 11 for 189 ain't going to be something that happens every game. And if you got a guy in your league that's looking at Kadarius Tony, wants him, and you're saying like, yo, you know, He's like, yo, I, I, this dude's amazing. Like, he just broke Odell Beckham's rookie run, rookie receiving record. Like, I need to get this guy. I wouldn't stop at nothing to try and use that to my advantage because, you know, like I said, I think he's a good player. I think he'll be used. But am I? Do I think he'll be like this? No, I, I think this was kind of a, you know, I think this was kind of one of those games where he just went off and. I don't know how much, you know, I don't think it'll get any better than this one. And I think that's the reason that he's a perfect trade candidate because he's a guy that he's not going to do this again. If he does, he just might be a rookie sensation and maybe I'm completely wrong. But 11 for 189, just you got, you know, star receivers that ain't doing that on a regular basis. Um, and my last guy that I'm going to talk about, and I know I only have four, but it is what it is, is Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox to me, I don't even know if I would trade him. And he he's just, like I said, he's another name that came up in my research. Um, but he if you have Dawson Knox and Dallas Goddard or Dawson Knox and, you know, Hunter Henry. Well, I don't want to say Hunter Henry because he's been way too good for Hunter Henry. You might have Dawson Knox and Waller. You might have Knox and, you know, Kittle, you know, but... The only issue I have with Knox, and the reason why I probably wouldn't trade him is just because we have evidence of somebody just last year being very similar to what Dawson Knox is this year. Um, 
his efficiency is through the roof. Like, my man has, I think, um, 24 targets, I think it is. And he's got, like, 18 catches and five touchdowns. Like, this is Robert Tanyan of last year. Like, this is exactly how Robert Tanyan was. It seemed like every time Robert Tanyan was catching a pass, it was a touchdown. You know, um, can it happen for a whole season? Obviously, Robert Tanyan proved it could. Do I think it will with Dawson Knox? I think it's hard to... I think it's hard to say it will once again you know this, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen very often and in back-to-back seasons with a t- with tight ends I, don't, I just can't see it being that frequent so for me you know I think that I would probably um you know give Knox a look see what you know somebody that is in dire need of a tight end might you know offer me especially since he's like tight end three right now like he's He's performing at an unreal level. Um, I would just see what what people are going to offer me for Knox. Put him on your trade block and see what you can get. But like I said, I it's been proven before that this this kind of production can work. And you know maybe if you know with this offense, it could definitely happen. I just it's hard to bet on it just because it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened very often in history where that guy is this efficient where he's catching a touchdown for every five targets and he's catching a, you know, he's catching the ball at damn near. And uh, uh, he's catching a ball at a higher clip than Travis Kelsey. Like it's just, this doesn't happen very often. And I can't say that it's going to happen, you know, for a whole season. That would be the reason to get rid of Knox. So, all right, guys, that is it for tonight's podcast. Stevie P will be back tomorrow with the DFS podcast. So until next time, peace out, guys.